Okay, so this year is about the paradox of free will. And um, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty unique position I've seen in the Chovos Lavavos. <clears throat> it's in the Shar Avodas Halokim, Parakas. Um, so I'm not going to read it all inside. And when I do read it, I'll probably read from English, the Feldheim uh, translation. Where is it? It's like in the full time, it's, it begins like page. It begins a page, it's basically page on 318. Okay. Volume one. 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 Problem with this, the stereo between a free will. Okay. So he's like this. He says, um, the soul. Okay. He says, the soul. I found in scriptures on the subject of compulsion and predetermination, control and will, that all these are God's in respect to all that he has created, whether mineral or vegetable, animal, rational, as it is written. Okay. Now he's going to quote a bunch of psukim. Whatever Hashem wants, He does in the heavens and the earth. Hashem said something Hashem didn't command. From the from the mouth of uh, the 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 ultimate, it does not uh, merge uh, the good and bad. Amar Yotzer or Vore Choshech Osesham Voira. By God, uh, he makes peace and he creates uh, evil. Amar Im Hashem Lo Yivnebayis Shav Amalo Bonav Abo. Hashem Lo Yishmaiir Shav Shakad Shomer. Amar. Okay, another pesach pasuk. Right. So you have all these pesukim, and there are similar verses. All these indicate that man and other living things are prepared by the Creator for the adornment of this world. If He moves them, they are moved with His permission, power, and ability. He brings them to rest. They seize their activity, right? Okay, fine. So basically, it, it's it's basically God's Hashem's in control of everything. Whatever Hashem does happens. Whatever Hashem wants to stop moving, He doesn't move. It's all by the Ratzon Hashem. That's one scoop of psukim, and there are many psukim that seem to indicate that. Okay. On the other hand, we find in psukim a contrary view, which would indicate that human beings' actions are entrusted to Him. He chooses them as He pleases. They spring from His will and free choice. Accordingly, he is subject to reward and punishment for obedience and for transgression. As it says, So all the right, so basically the, the other second, which basically indicate that a person is the has choice, has the free will to choose good or evil, and he's Responsible man is responsible for his choices, and he gets punished and rewarded accordingly. Right? All this is in the way of the uh, right, the literature on the Torah and the mitzvos, and proper conduct confirms this. Also, what is mentioned in regards to reward for listening and punishment for, for transgressing, all this indicates that a man's actions are entrusted him, and that the divine and the shechina is free from responsibility for his good or for his evil, for his righteousness or corrupt actions. Right? So there's a stira. The matter is hard for me to grasp. It's exceedingly difficult to reconcile with the abuse. There's a remedy for this ill. May God cure me of it through you. So this is yet to the the, the chos of is writing a dialogue between the mind and the soul. Forget what that means is a different story. Forget, but it's a dialogue. 
and the mind is the one who has the solutions to all these different problems. And the question is, how do you reconcile this? Okay. And the Rambam in Hilchos Tshuva brings up the same question. He says, um, um, he says, I guess in Parak Hay Hilchos Tshuva. In the middle of Halacha Dalad, he says, "V'alte Talmud v'Tomer." Now, don't don't ask this question. I close all this question. Heichi Adam Oser Komash Yechbots Yemaisim Masurin. How can a person do whatever he he chooses, and his actions are given over to him? The Chiyase Ba'olam Davar Shlob Bishus Kono Belochat. So, does a person ever do? Does anything happen in the in the universe without the permission of its uh, creator and without his desire, or without Hashem wanting it to happen? Right? Is that the kasha? Okay. The Ram says, which we're going to see as well as his first answer is the Ramam basically. Ram says, no, these two things are compatible. Everything is by God's will, even though we have all the actions are given over to us. That's the Rambam's um, solution. Okay. How's the Rambam solve it? Kate Saad. This will be the Chovos Lovos' first answer. He says, Ketad, Kishim Just like the will of the uh, of the Creator is that fire and wind go up and water and earth go down, right? Things that are more dense sink. Gravity, basically. Just like God wills gravity to things that are more dense. Right? You have inertia and things, things move and uh, continue on the path. And everything, all the other laws of nature, they go according to the nature that God uh, desires in them. So too, God wants that a person, um, he has the he has the authority in his own hands, his own authority on himself. And all his actions are given over to him, whatever he desires to do. There's no thing that forces him, compels him, or withdraws him. Elohu me'atzmo b'daito, shenasan l'kel, him, through himself, through his, his knowledge that God gave him. Osek kol sh'adam yachalasos. He does everything that he, that he chooses to do through himself and his knowledge, and that's God's will. Okay? L'fikach, danos l'fimaisev. That's why you punish him. You must atov me'tiv. If a person does good, you reward him. And if he does bad, then you punish him. Okay? And he goes further. So the Ram's solution to these, this apparent stira is that everything happens by God's will. Nothing in the, in the universe happens if God doesn't want it to happen. And, um, and the fact that we say that a person is responsible for his actions and God will punish a person if he does a sin or reward him if he does a mitzvah. So, um, so the Rambam's solution is, uh, I think, a straightforward solution. I know Chosel Valls isn't going to like it. I know he doesn't exactly say why he doesn't. I just want to show you the Rambam solution. Is um, we're not going to go into it too much. It's a shir and the chovos of levels, not the um, not the Rambam, but it is the first position. Is that it's true? The way you reconcile this apparent contradiction is that everything in the universe does happen because God wants it to happen. If God didn't want it to happen, it would not happen. But God wants that for human beings to have their own choice. That is God's will. So when you do an avera, does God want you to sin? In a certain sense, he wants you to be able to choose to sin if you want to sin, and if you want to choose to do a mitzvah, you do a mitzvah. So in a, in a sense, when you're choosing to do a that is God's will. 
it's God's will that you have the choice to do an Avera should you want to. And if you want to do a mitzvah, you have the choice to do it. He's not making you do a mitzvah, not making you do an Avera, but his will is that you have the choice. So there's no stira. It is happening because God wants you to do it, but he wants you to choose, and therefore you do have the free choice. Nothing compels you. God doesn't compel you nothing else. That's how the Ramam reconciles this apparent contradiction between these sets of sukkah. Yeah, Yaakov? That would indicate that God does not want the secular outcomes of the Right. He doesn't, like, he doesn't, like the rest of creation. Right. There, so there's a difference between man and everything else. By um, everything else, God, I guess in theory, I mean, he wants, well, not necessarily. I mean, he, God wants gravity to operate on a universal on a universal plane. So does he want every particular instance of gravity to occur? I mean, not really, sort of, but not really. He really just wants gravity to operate always and everywhere. And it does. Every particular instance is just an expression of his universal will that he wants gravity to operate on a universal uh, everywhere and, and always. And the same thing is with um, the same thing has happened. The same thing happens with a person's um, free will is God wants every person to have the free choice to do good or bad. And, um, and so whether, whether you choose to do a mitzvah in Avera, that's up to you. Nobody's forcing you to do the mitzvah in Avera when you have a choice in front of you. And his will is that that's your choice. So when you do it, we say that is an expression of his will. Even when you do an Avera, that's an expression of his will because he gave you the choice and he wants you to have the choice. So yeah, in that particular, does he want you to do this particular Avera? He wants you to have the choice to do it, a particular Avera in this case, should you want to. That would be an expression of God's will. And there's nothing, you're not contradicting God's will on, on a fundamental level when you do an Avera. Now, God in general, God wants you to choose in a certain way, right? He wants you or he instructs you for your own good to choose uh, for your benefit. And we say there is an ultimate will of a Baruch in the world of where he wants it to go, but he wants the world to recognize um, his existence through exercising free will, through the method of Bechira. That is his plan. And that's uh, how he made the world. And man is different from everything else in the creation. He wants man to have free will. And that's an expression of, uh, it's a realization of God's uh, Ratzon when people choose to exercise their free will. Yeah, Chaim. Um, I'm assuming not. We were beginning to like the idea of God's will each year. Um, a little bit. I mean, it comes up. It just like God's will. Like, how are we defining that? If we are, could you say? Yeah. That there's really tzvaydinim in God's will. That there's God's will is that man should have a choice, but God also has a will for what you should choose. Yeah. Well, that, that creates the complications and problems. And to like some degree, like that is that is a little bit of the problem. You're saying does mm-hmm. God does God want you to do mitzvahs? I mean, He commands you to do mitzvahs. He clearly, he, so in, a certain, in a certain sense, He wants you to. Will. Yeah. So that's the complications, and that could be because of those reasons Chosovos doesn't like it. Okay. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not really trying to um, explain the Rambam. I, I like it. You, could, and you, 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 I think time. You're right. You have to like find God's will in more subtle ways. Two senses in which we use God's will: the more fundamental will or the, the general will. You get, you get to like different things. It's the Rambam's answer is, is deeper and demands a little bit more explanation for sure. That's not my point. Okay. That's, that's not my point. Okay. So, okay. Um, okay. I'm going to skip the next paragraph in the Kobos of Avos. It's a little bit of a funny paragraph. It seems like, yeah, I'm going to skip it. Okay. It seems like he's bringing in the unconscious. It's weird. Okay. Um, so I'm going to start here on the, um, the bottom of page 321 here. He says, yes, controversies have long raged amongst the learned on how to reconcile 
compulsion or predetermination with divine justice. That man's free will and responsibility. Okay, so how do you resolve this apparent stira? So some say, is the Rama's position, that all human actions proceed according to man's free will, ability, and power. That God has entrusted these matters to him and given him control over them. Right? The, uh, the quote Hashem is free from responsibility for them. And as a result, man is subject to reward and punishment for them. Okay, so that's the Rambam solution, that God has given over man's own decisions to himself. And therefore, because God has given you the reshus over your own actions, you become responsible for them. Okay, good. That's the Rambam. Others attribute human actions, like everything else, to the creator may be exalted. So this, this was the, the Kalam, the, the Muslim philosophers in those times. Uh, one group of them held this. The basic, well, yeah. Is he trying to imply here that like God like gave up control and just like delegated it out to man? And in a certain sense, isn't the Ram saying something like that? That God is in a sense ceding his um, authority over man's actions. God could control what man does, but he like removes his, so to speak, he removes his compulsion, removes his authority from that uh, these man's actions, and he lets a person choose on his own, and he doesn't force it one way or the other. I mean, you know how you describe these things is is you know. Subtle, but something like that. Something on those lines, right? Everything else is running exactly according to God's uh, will. And and by man, it's running according to God's will in the sense of his will is that man should be able to do whatever he wants with no particular predetermined outcome of good or bad. Sounds a little different. Different than what the Chosalo was saying? Yeah. Even the saying God's will is that he wants man to be the hero of Israel. Okay. He's supposed to what that's what he's saying or what he's not saying. Uh, not saying. What's he saying? The guy like seated and like gave up control of man. Yeah, I mean I think it's just a, a, a different it's like different ways of describing the phenomenon. He in a sense removed his it from the sphere of his he removed his influence from the sphere of man's actions so that man can now have the the power to choose what he wants to do. And he gave man that power as opposed to everything else is simply following from his skill directly through, albeit through intermediaries, but in a, um, you know, he, it's like, it's like if a king appoints a shliach to, to do something, right? The governor to do something. He gives him, just a shliach, you give a shliach. So everything else is God's doing it through a shliach and he tells the shliach, I want this done. So the shliach does it through intermediary, but the king is telling him the particular thing he wants done and the shliach carries it out. Faithfully, right? But by man, he says to the thing, I want you to be able to decide whether you want to listen to me, whether you don't want to listen to me. I'm giving you the choice. And that's my will. That's the king says, that's my will that you should be able to choose. Right? Okay. That's not what's, and not, that's not the main part of this year, but something something along those lines is the wrap up. But again, we're not going to develop it that much. Okay. The other position that he's the Chobos of is not going to hold by is that other attributes, uh, other attribute human actions, like everything else, to the creator, they say that every movement that takes place in the world, from that of a rational being to that of an inorganic body, is with the permission of the creator, and de- um, may be exalted, is determined and decreed by him, and is under his control. Nothing deviates from it, not even by a hair's breadth, neither more nor less. So basically, every single thing that happens um, in this world, every single particular is because God wants it to be. If it wasn't, God didn't want it to be, how could it be? Including man's actions. Um, and nothing happens at all whatsoever that God doesn't want to happen. So if you do an Avera, God wants you to do an Avera. When the proponents of this view 
page 323. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, when the proponents of this position were challenged in regard to reward and punishment, so how can you punish a person for doing a beira when Hashem decreed that he has to do it? Um, they replied, we have no knowledge of the form of reward and punishment or of its process of its laws. Right? We, we don't understand the mishpat of Hashem. We don't understand God's justice. God over is righteous and will do no injustice. That much we know that God doesn't do any injustice. He is faithful in his promise of reward and punishment and he will not break it. Now I, it looks like doesn't seem just at all to punish a person for something that he has to do. Our minds are too feeble to grasp the powerful nature of his wisdom. His righteousness is too obvious and his kindness too evident for us to suspect his judgments. There's no God besides him. <laughs> is that they say that um, every single thing is decreed by God. Every single one of man's actions for good or for bad is determined by God. Nobody has any real choice whatsoever. And then God will punish you for doing a veira, that, a veira that he decreed that you have to do. He'll reward you for doing mitzvahs that you have to do, right? So there is punishment, there is reward. God is absolutely just. I, that doesn't seem to make sense, it doesn't seem to be just. Well, our minds can't comprehend God's justice. It doesn't seem just to us to punish somebody for something that you forced him to do. But God is just. There's no God besides God. Everything is, is good, beautiful. Stop asking questions that you can't understand. Your minds are too feeble. It just doesn't make sense to you, but you just your mind doesn't understand the mishpat of Hashem. That is this greater, higher form of mishpat allows for a person to be punished for something that he was forced to do, and that's it. Okay, so basically you have to sacrifice um, in order to maintain absolute to reconcile the the, the the contradiction that he's proposing here is between rewarding and punishing somebody for actions that they have to do versus God's absolute will determining everything. Um, and he's saying what you have to sacrifice here is your notion of justice. You have to accept that God is just, even though and basically say your idea of justice is just completely lacking. And I doesn't seem like God is just. You know God is just, even though you don't understand God's justice. And that's what you have to sacrifice. Yeah. Uh, well, this can include also, well, this, I guess, this particular, some also include things where you say uh, that God isn't directly involved with causes other things, determines other things, or determines other things, et cetera, et cetera. Which determine everything and that everything is determined by God, but it's not a direct God to, to blade of grass. It's a God to nature to blade of grass. It's possible they hold that. It's possible that they hold that. There's different versions of it, but ultimately everything is completely, according to this view, everything is completely determined, either through intermediaries or not. I don't know if it necessarily matters. But even your actions, according to this view, are completely determined. You have no choice. And God punishes you for an Avera. Doesn't seem fair. It is fair. You just don't understand why it's fair. Yeah, yeah. Why even use the concepts of fair and just? It's like our, our concept is me. Yeah. yeah, that's a problem. That's part of the problem with this view. He doesn't like this view either. I'm not going to defend it either. I'm not going to defend it. Yeah, yeah, Ezra. Is he saying that this is a, a view within Torah? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if, if people in Torah. It definitely was a, a major view of, of a Muslim, a group of Muslim philosophers in, in his time. Um, whether there were Jews who, who held it, eh, probably, probably, you like know. He quotes two views, right? So far, two views. Oh, he quotes right. one. There's a third. The third was the one he's going to hold by. Oh, right. But attached to those two, like, those aren't the only two views, I'm sure. These are the ones he's quoting. Right. So, again, my purpose here is not to do an exhaustive okay. overview of Bechira and how to resolve it. It's really just to hear his unique answer. Okay. Okay. okay now let's do his answer. Okay. It's really unique. Okay, now we go like this. 
Others, okay, again, he's going to say this is the view he likes. Others see fit to subscribe to both positions, okay? So you basically hold both things, both things are true, compulsion and divine justice, that you are forced to do everything you do. And on the other hand, God is completely just, okay? They say that whoever delves deeply into them, I guess into these matters, um, will inevitably err and falter, no matter how he interprets them. So if you really want to think this through, the resolution of this paradox, that everything you do, you're forced to do. Nevertheless, there's justice in rewarding and punishing you. If you really try to think deeply into it, inevitably you're going to make mistakes and, and, and make errors. In their opinion, the correct approach is as follows. Okay, so this is the approach. We should act as would act one who believes that a man's actions are left to his free will and that he will be rewarded and punished for them. Hence, we should make every effort in all that will be of help to us before the creator in both worlds. Okay, so we should act like somebody who believes that you have complete free will and your actions are left up to you and they're going to be rewarded and punished. And therefore, you should make every effort that you can um, that will uh, be of help to you before God and in both Olamas and Olamaba. At the same time, we should trust in God with the trust of one who is certain that all actions and movements, benefit and harm, are predetermined by God under his authority and by his sentence. That God may be exalted as a conclusive claim against man, while man has no claim against God, may he be exalted. Okay. So on the other hand, you have to have bitachon Hashem and trust in him, uh, with like, like somebody who is absolutely certain that all actions and movements, everything you do, everything, every movement you make, whether good or bad, it's all predetermined by God under his authority. And that, um, and then therefore he has the, um, um, God is, I think it means victorious over man. Like if you want to do something, God doesn't want to happen. You're not going to do it. Whatever God wants you to do, you're going to do what he doesn't want you to do. Not to, you're not going to do. It's all predetermined by God. Okay. Okay. Meaning, which seems to be a contradiction, which is the contradiction itself of all the views that we have mentioned. This is the nearest one to salvation. Okay. Which is an interesting term. Yeah. See, right, what, similar to the point you just made, but is he answering it or is he just restating the problem and then saying it's an answer? Kind of, kind of restating the problem, saying it's an answer. Okay, that's what's interesting about it. <laughs> okay, of all the that's what I'm gonna try to explain here. Of all the views that we have mentioned, this is the nearest one to salvation. Okay, for it is true and proper that we admit our ignorance of this facet of the Creator's wisdom, owing to the weakness of our minds and the limitation of our comprehension. Okay. There is some good to our ignorance in this matter. For this reason, it was hidden for us. If there are any advantage to us in understanding this mystery, the creator will reveal it to us. It must be it's a good thing that we can't figure this out. It doesn't really make any sense to us how it's possible to reconcile this contradiction. On the one hand, we have free will. We can do whatever we want. On the other hand, every single thing we do is completely determined by God, and everything is perfectly perfect determinism. It seems a contradiction to our mind. And that's true, it does, but it's owing to the weakness of our mind that we're not able to resolve this contradiction. And if it was good for us to understand it, God would have made us understand it. Apparently there's some good in us not understanding this. Okay, a close analogy to this can be observed from the condition of a person with weak eyesight. So you're like a person with weak eyesight, your mind is, is weak. Um, and therefore you uh, who cannot enjoy the light of the sun unless he puts a thin screen between the light of his eyes. The more his eyes are impaired, the thicker the screen needs to be. The less they are impaired, the thinner the screen needs to be. So because of your weak mind, it's better for you um, to not be able to understand this solution. That's why God didn't give you the ability to 
understand that it would harm you. It would harm you if you if you're able to resolve this contradiction. Therefore, it's to your benefit that God uh, did not give you the intellect, intellectual ability to resolve this contradiction. There is some resolution, but it's to your benefit not to. Okay, let me just finish to the end. It's, it's a little bit more. Um, and, and then I'll, we'll try to take questions and explain. Okay. Furthermore, we observe in many material devices functions regarding which we cannot see them with our own eyes, but only heard them, uh, but only heard of them by report. Um, we would declare that the one who told us them to be a liar. So take, for example, the astrolabe, a measure, a measuring device formerly used by astronomers. If we had never seen this instrument with our eyes, but someone had told us of its form and appearance, what can be apprehended through it, of the movements of the spheres, position of stars, and precise determinations of the seasons, all these different things, we would have no clear conception of it, we could, nor could we um, form any picture of it in our mind. This chamber, the same is true with regards to a balance, explains how a balance, how you can use one stone to measure many different things, by leverage and, and things like that, where you put the stone. I was even more commonly used as the upper millstone with the water by a slight device, causing to revolve regularly. We cast a small stone into the swift current, it always sinks to the bottom. But over here, this millstone, which is much heavier, the force of the water, which is, is small, and it causes it to still turn into current, right? And it seems to us like it's, it's impossible. If anyone had told us this, we had not seen it with our own eyes, we have quickly denied and repudiated his story. All this is because we know so little of the secrets of creation, because our limited understanding of foundations of created things, their effects, nature, and particular quantities. Okay, I, I'll give more modern examples, but he gives basically three examples of things in his day, scientific things that, that were, you know, things of the nature that were inexplicable, were, were shocking, where you would, if, you're not, if you had not seen it with your own eyes, you would say it's impossible, and lo and behold, nature works that way. There's plenty of things that just, they do work, they seem crazy, they seem impossible, but they're true, okay? Now, if we are ignorant of ordinary accessible things, it's not surprising we do not understand the workings of the predetermination and justice of the exalted creator's judgments, these being infinitely more hidden and sublime than those things mentioned above. Okay. Um, okay, stop. Okay, so his argument is, his argument is, is that you shouldn't say this is so crazy that somehow there's a way to resolve this. There are plenty of things in the, in the, in the regular uh, world of nature which you don't understand. Had you not seen them, they would have said they're crazy. And then they're, they're true. So to hear I, this seems like a contradiction. Yeah, but you know, your mind is too weak to uh, understand it. And therefore, you should really just accept the feebleness of your mind and accept basically the contradiction and live according to both. Okay, that's his basic position. I'm going to try to develop it and make a little bit more sense of it. It sounds a little crazy that you're just basically living a contradiction. Just a little, okay? <laughs> I'm gonna try to justify and show you it's really very, very, um, it's like an ingenious type of a solution. Assuming you don't accept the Rambam solution, um, and you know, the, because you're saying you're saying the contradiction is is on the one hand you have free will, you have the ability to choose what you do, and therefore you should live like when you have a choice. You should live, you should live your life like you're responsible for your behavior. It matters how you choose. If you do a mitzvah, you do an avera, and if you do a mitzvah, it's going to benefit you in this world the next. If you do an avera, you're going to be suffer for it because you have the free will to do it. On the other hand, um, you say that every single thing is determined by God. Every action you do, every mo every motion you make, it's all because of God. If you pick up your hand to pick up a lulav, God is making you do that. And if you do an avera, God is making you do that also. Every single thing is determined by God. There's nothing that ever happens without God decreeing that it should be so. Meaning there's not such thing as free will? Right. I mean, uh, right. Everything is predetermined. Everything is absolutely predetermined. No, no, no. No, it's th that's Even the position. Both. You're believing them both. Oh, I see. How can you believe them both? That's the question. Oh. 
<laughs> and the answer. <laughs> and the answer. Yeah. yeah. Okay, go ahead, Yaakov. Uh, is, it, is it beyond our intellect or beyond our knowledge? It sounds like he's saying beyond our intellectual abilities. Yeah. Seems like right. The examples he gives aren't beyond our intellect. Oh, uh, I mean the, the scientific thing? Yeah. Yeah, but, but then he yeah. says, imagine yeah. that yeah. and all the more stuff. All the more stuff. All the more stuff. Right. So that's right. just beyond the knowledge. Yeah, in his, in his day, those were things that were, yeah. you know. They didn't dream that. Like, I guess, yeah, well, it's, no, I, I, you're right. I guess in theory, you can't know whether it's intrinsically beyond the human intellect or just like beyond the human intellect, that, you know, his his mind and the minds of the people that he was able to know. In theory, at a later point in time, somebody could have been able to explain it. Rambam came after him, you know, but he, he quotes Rambam's position. Rambam's not really, I don't think, really revealed something that hadn't come beforehand. But um, I don't know if he can prove it's the human intellect. I would think he's, um, I think he says it's beyond the human intellect and, and God specifically made the human intellect not capable of understanding this because it must be to our benefit not to be able to understand this, this paradox, right? Yeah. Is this I'm or I'm guessing people try it, I guess doing symbolic logic uh, to, to look into this. Not familiar. What's Not that? familiar. What's that? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I don't, I don't know so much. Like, you know, uh, well, why is it acceptable to say that it's, uh, in a contradiction? Is God was nice, he didn't allow us to, you know, we, we, we can't understand it, but, you know, somehow it's both are true. I suppose saying, well, it must be one that is wrong, since it's a contradiction. What are you saying? What are you saying? No, what? Why is it acceptable to say this seems like a contradiction? But right. both are true, you just can't understand. Right. Versus, no, it's a contradiction. Clearly, one of these is actually wrong. Well, that's the other approaches, or, or different. I mean, that's a different. Right. That's like the. That's, that's like the more like the Muslim approach, or, or whatever Crest counts, whatever, whatever. The different approaches. He's saying he what he he's saying is that. He's let me develop it a little bit. Let me. I'll develop the point. Um, I'll develop the point. I'll try to justify it, and then we'll see if you guys accept it. It's a novel approach. Okay. So he he's saying like this. There are certain things, um, certain areas. And I think this certainly this is the way he, he looks at free will, where basically you have two ideas, two positions that are contradictory uh, to your mind, but you know both of them are true. Okay, so he's saying we have very clear knowledge from Sukkim um, that everything God does, right? And, and many, many, many other Sukkim, whatever God wants to happen, happens. Every single thing in the universe, no exceptions. This second don't say except for what man wants. It doesn't say that. It says everything in the universe is determined by God. Man's part of the universe. And we have very clear, we have clear knowledge that God's the creator of the universe and his will rules over everything. On the other hand, we have very clear psukim that um, God has uh, given you the choice. Right? Right? And God has given you the choice between good and evil, and you should choose good. And that it sounds like God's telling you to choose good. It sounds like you have a choice. So we have very clear psalm. Okay, and that well, choose good. Choose good. Okay, choose good. Sometimes you choose evil. That's true. And um, God, God's telling you what to choose, but it sounds like you have a choice. He's instructing you what to choose, but He's not forcing you to choose it. Sometimes you choose good. Sometimes you choose bad. And um, and you're clearly responsible. For the good things you do and 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 the, and the bad things you do, you get and that's why it makes sense for God to to reward and to punish you because you did you do have a choice. 
Okay, so he's saying we, we, it's very clear from the Torah, both positions are true. The Torah holds by both positions, and we know them both to be true. The problem is that we are unable to reconcile them. Okay, assuming again, you don't hold by the Rambam solution, unable to reconcile them. So what do you do in that situation? Okay, you have a paradox. So he's saying is, is that you can't just arbitrarily decide, I'm gonna believe one and not the other, because you know both of them are true. So what you do in that situation is you basically accept both of them. And what you do is you, um, you relegate each set of belief to a certain sphere of applicability. So when I'm dealing with the questions of my own actions, how should I behave? How should I act? How should I lead my life? There you lead under the assumption of free will. So like he says, right? In their opinion, the correct approach is as follows. We should act as would act one who believes that a man's actions are left to his free will, that he'll be rewarded and punished for them. We should make every effort and all that will be of help to us before the creator in both worlds. So everything you can do that will help you in al Mazel, Maba, you should, you should live a life like your decisions are yours and the responsibility for those decisions are yours. You could help yourself, you could hurt yourself, you have free will. When you're dealing with your own life, your own personal life, your own decisions, you act on the assumption of free will. Okay, but when you're thinking about God, when you're thinking in the framework of, of God's ratzon, God's power, when you have bitachon, trusting God, all those things. At the same time, we should trust in God with the trust of one who is certain that all actions and movements, benefits and harm are predetermined by God under his authority and by sentence. When you're thinking about God, you should think about God as the total authority over every single thing, including man, no exceptions to this rule. And every single thing is determined by God. So when you're, in, when you're thinking about God, then you think about, there's no free will. Everything is determined by, by God. Every single particular is God's ratzon. If a man does an avera, God wants him to do an avera. If a man does a mitzvah, God wants to do a, a mitzvah. It's in the framework of analyzing God's power and his authority and his rulership. Then you take the framework of everything is predetermined, perfect determinism. When you're thinking about your own personal actions, how should you lead your life? It's free will. So depending upon which framework you're analyzing the question, which, which is the relevant framework, that's where you you take one one side of the contradiction over the other, because yes, you're right. Some it, it is a contradiction. He admits it's a contradiction. He doesn't know how to resolve it. But what do you do with this paradox? Well, what do you do? You can't just arbitrarily um, throw out one, um, choose one over the other, because you know they're both true. So when you're thinking of God, you think about pure determinism. God's in control of every single thing. When you're thinking about yourself, you think about pure free will, and you have to know which realm you're dealing with. Yeah, go ahead, Ezra. Um, according to the Rambam, is there two, two questions? One, does he hold by this type of thing where in different scenarios you say contradictory things? And is there, if so, <coughs> is there any case practically for Rambam where you would do this? Um, I, I mean, what I'm going to argue is that this type of solution the Rambam would hold by also, just not for free will. Do I know of any that the Rambam would hold by it? That's a good question. I have to think about that. But I think it's it's a it's a legitimate move, given the assumption that when you have a paradox and you have two sides that are you know are both true, you're forced into something along the lines of what the Chos of Elvis is going to do. Maybe you're misunderstanding the second or something. In theory, you, you should definitely go back to the second. Make sure you're sure that it says that you have the choice and you get reward and punishment. They do. Make sure you look at the signal and say, God, uh, everything that happens is God's will. They do. Is there any wiggle room? There's no wiggle room. They're both, think about them. They both make sense. And when I study each one on its own framework, 
makes sense. My subjective experience is I have free will. And I think about God as the ultimate cause of everything. It makes sense that everything is his will. I just have this, you know, when I, each, each side I think about makes sense, but then I try to put it together and end up with the contradiction. That's when you have to come into this type of a resolution to a paradox of resolving the paradox into different realms, different spheres of applicability. Yeah, you go next, go. Doesn't the Ramam say, um, somewhere in the Lord, that, I don't know where, that, that as long as, that if they're, like, he gives an example of gracious Barla Kim, that if it was proven scientifically that the, the universe is infinite, a problem wouldn't be with the Pesukim, it would be with the Iker of the Torah. Right. We would interpret the Pesuk as Mashal. Yeah, when you have a contradiction between that which is proven by science and philosophy and Pshat in the Pesukim, right. then you reinterpret Pshat. So can't you reinterpret Pshat here? Yeah, but but there's no which way. Which way? I don't know. That's the problem. That's the problem. He's he, he's saying he's saying it's philosophically it's, it's a contradiction also. We don't know. It's not like philosophically we we end up in the contradiction also. We think about our own experience. We end up with free will. Think about God. You end up with determinism. It's not like it's clear. Like over there, the Ramah is saying theoretically, if you could prove the world was eternal and you knew scientifically absolute proof, then you reinterpret shot. But it's not like we have a clear. We know which side is right here. Which side is right? Is everything determined by God or do you have free will? You don't know which side is right. As far as you can tell, both sides are right. Right. That just me, right? Okay. Yeah, Sam, that's, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be something like this where, uh, uh, other than God, we don't have other causes to our, to, that, for, that uh, require us to do what we do. Other than God. And then, uh, and then God determines what we do, but it's only God, nothing else. So that, uh, relative yeah. to everything else, is just free. And then, uh, so uh, relative to relative to everything else, we're free. We're not. Okay, we're Tony. Yes, I'm saying, relevant to everything else but God. He he's saying that. <clears throat> are you trying to give a different answer to him? What do you? What do you ask? I, I guess more or less just try to to figure out if I can just put this into into frames I've been having for for a long time. Could I try? You're saying there's no wiggle room. Could I try a little wiggle? See if it works. A different answer than him? No. Yeah. Well, it's along those lines. Okay. I mean, go I'm ahead. Maybe I could say it a little bit better. Maybe I hope that God. That when we say that God is in control of everything, we mean like this: that there's a chain of causalities, and you, we can't change that chain of causalities. And if you do this action of evil, it will result in this result of evil. But that's one. That's where God is in in, in full, in, uh, you know, control. Then God gives me, to control man of the details of which way do you want to go with the causality. But the causalities are under His control. Why is that the chain of causality ultimately comes down to you? No, You're but part you can't of that change. I can't, sh- I can't shoot a bullet and it doesn't kill a person. That's a causality. That's ritzikha. Yeah, but in theory, That's I can't change that causality. chain of causality from God all the way down to you, which tells you, go eat the cheeseburger. No, I'm saying, could it be that it, you, have a, you have a paradox? You have to try and find a way out. No. The human mind seeks that. Fine, but what he's saying. That there's no way out. Right. That's what he's saying. I just want. I just want. I want to be clear. Uh, okay. I'm not. I just want to be clear. This uh, is okay. not. This is not my preferred solution. I, I. I like the Rambam, but I'm not saying there aren't other ways exactly. you can think about it. The, what? The, <laughs> love the Rambam. Okay. Um, but the point is, is. But the point. The point is, is actually the point of this year is, is it's not a comprehensive overview of the I'm not trying to give my own resolution. Your resolution, your resolution. There are other resolutions we've discussed before in Q and A's. We'll 
show this guest in the future. My point is really just to illustrate his approach, which is a, a novel approach. And I like to say this is an approach that, um, that I'll show you example, science takes this approach, modern day science takes the approach. I, I'm, I'm not sure if I think about a case where the Rambam does, but in theory, I, I think a person has to take this approach when you're presented with the situation. Where does science take the approach? You mean like the okay. theory thing? Okay, well, this, that, that, that's the example. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you two examples from science. That, that's one, the, the quantum mechanics in particular, but I, one more basic, and I'll give you two, okay? So one is just now, nowadays, science has um, two, we have, um, you have general, two, the two fundamental laws of, of physics, of, of, you know, of all science and, and of, is general relativity or gravity, general relativity and quantum mechanics, okay? Quantum mechanics is the standard model of particle physics, includes all the other forces besides gravity. And those are the two fundamental laws. You have those two things that explains in theory everything in the universe, right? General relativity and quantum mechanics, okay? The problem is, is there's a contradiction between the two. When you try to put them together, you end up with contradictions, you end up dividing by zero, and you end up with infinities. It's impossible. They don't work together. There's a contradiction. The two systems, the two things contradict, okay? But science still works, right? It still works. How does science still work? How do physicists still make amazing predictions, right? About, about, about the universe, about the cosmos. How do they do it? Is they do it simply is that general relativity is what they use when they're, um, when they're studying things on large scales. When they're dealing with galaxies, the universe as a whole, the expansion, planets, black holes, that's all about gravity. Black holes is where it gets confused. I should say black holes. That's the problem. Okay. Um, well, the inside of a black hole is the problem, okay? But just about everything large, okay? Just about everything where we're dealing with really large things, we deal with general relativity, quantum mechanics doesn't really matter at that level, okay? But when you're dealing with things that are small, atoms and molecules and things like that, then we ignore gravity and then you just deal with quantum mechanics, okay? So things that are really small, you deal with quantum mechanics. Things that are really large, you deal with general relativity. And then now do we realize that ultimately it's one universe and they, they're unified because there shouldn't be a contradiction in the underlying fabric of reality. Yeah, we realize that, but we have no clue. Scientists have no idea how to unify the two at this point, okay? And therefore, what we do is we relegate it when we're dealing with certain questions. We deal with, we say, apply the rules of general relativity. We're dealing with other questions. You apply quantum mechanics. Then there's two cases, the inside of a black hole and the Big Bang itself, where you kind of have to apply both, and then the equations blow up, and therefore we can't, nothing, we don't write. Okay, so we don't know what goes on inside a black hole. You don't know what happened at the very beginning of the universe. But aside from that, it works very, very well. The similar thing he's doing here. You're dealing with your own life, you have free will. You're dealing with thinking about God and God's control over nature and every control of the entire universe. You deal with determination, determinism. I, we put, I put those two things together, you end up with infinities and contradictions or whatever it is. Oh, so be it, don't put them together. Deal, you, know, you don't have to put them together. In general, you can like think about them separately. When you're thinking about Bitachon, you think about God as full control of gravity. About should I eat the cheeseburger or not? You have absolutely free will. Okay, and that, that's one example I was thinking. Question on that? Yeah. Um, by our by our case of free will, we we have to accept both of them because we know that both of them are what God said. Right. So we have to understand. By general relativity and quantum mechanics, there's nothing forcing us to hold them. Doesn't that show that there's, there's overwhelming evidence? There's overwhelming evidence for both of them. They've been incredibly well tested. We know general relativity is true. We know quantum mechanics is true. Well, how do we know it's true if they don't? They've been. They we do have. Most they're. They're. Most they're, they're, oh, they're they beautiful. They're beautiful, self-consistent, coherent theories. 
Um, they've been tested. We've made incredible predictions in both of them, yeah. gravitational waves and quantum mechanics that define structure constants. Like the precision is incredible in both theories have been incredibly well tested. Yeah, we're incredible levels of precision. The theories yeah. themselves are incredibly formulated, beautifully formulated, mathematically consistent. Can't work quantum mechanics has, yeah, quantum has a little bit of a problem with infinities that we, renormalization. So that's, you know, if there's a place it's on quantum. But ignoring that point. Ignoring the fact. Once you forget about renormalization, everything, you still, and it, once you do that, you can make these incredible tests. We know they're both true. No, they're both no. true. They're both true. That they just don't work together. Yeah, well, the contradiction. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they're the not. We're not for the contradiction. We'd say they're both absolutely true. They've both been tested beyond so the reason. So now we know that. that they both can't be true. And okay. now oh, they no, just no, have to find fine, fine. So we know because there's a contradiction, there must be something deeper. Right. Maybe one of them is right. The other one has to be modified. Which one? I mean, that's my focus. Yeah, it seems like we have to read the possibility. They just put up this new telescope. Right, maybe so possibly to what to how to resolve the paradox. Yeah, yeah. Listen, that, I, they, that is know, a general approach. Yeah, who knows? Could, could who knows? Amazing who knows? Results. We say hopefully in the future, at some point in the future, we'll be able to resolve the contradiction. But in the meantime, that's been going on for the past I don't know about a hundred years or so. Is we've been living with um, both of them, uh, living with both of them, and when you're dealing with certain areas, general relativity, certain areas, quantum mechanics. Each one on its own, you would say we have very, very, very strong evidence that it's true. And there's no reason to drop either one. It's strong I, evidence that it's not true. Because the contradiction. Yeah. Okay, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? So therefore yeah. what? So, so which, therefore, one you, which one's wrong? I don't know. Exactly. So, so, then, so what are you going to do? And therefore what? Now you can't launch any rocket ships? I know. You can't you, build any cars? Well, you know, it there's no microscopes? You know it works, so you could still live in line with it. Yeah. Exactly. But you're accepting that's you have to accept that they're false. Well, you have to accept that at least one of them is false. Which one? No. I don't know. You have to... Fine. So you don't know. I feel like it's true for two hours. You are just say one is false. But you have to accept one is false. You have Akasha. You know they're both true. You accept both are at least one is false. No, you don't know how to resolve the contradiction. That's the thing. You don't know how to resolve the contradiction. This might be a good time. Besides the conference, the scientific conference of 1910, where they announced what? That we're done. We know everything science is ever going to teach us. We're done. And something like that. Uh -huh. Okay, good. They, I think they, I was before that. Done. they said science is never going to proceed any right. further than here. Right. Done. Like, okay. Yeah, I mean, they, they, so, yeah, as, far, as far as you know, they're both true. Now, obviously, they can't both be true exactly the way we have them. But you, there's nothing you can do with that. There's nothing you can do with that. Great. You look for go. a further answer. But if you can't get a further answer, you live with the fact that you have to accept the paradox. You treat them both as true as far as you can tell, and you have to apply them, find the realm, the sphere of applicability of each one. And big things you do with general relativity, small things you do with general quantum mechanics, everything works fine. This. You generally don't have any problems. Coincidentally, it works. Where are the specific contradictions? I don't know. You, you know, it's a little, a little complicated. Okay, when you try to use space time with quantum mechanics, like overlapping. You know, like superpositions of I think space time. I think that's one one realm. Okay. Like, the question like, is: Is the contradiction just with the random theories of quantum mechanics, or also with the minority deterministic ones? I'm I'm not sure. Okay. I mean, I think the the deterministic versions of quantum mechanics is in conflict with even special relativity. It's even worse, right? I think it's even worse than that that realm, right? Bohmian mechanics, I think, contradicts special relativity. But as you heard of, uh, yeah, there's, okay. a, there's a it's deterministic version, deterministic about quantum mechanics, which is in conflict with special. Standard quantum mechanics can at least work with special, which conflicts with general. So that's, I think, even worse. Sure. Okay. I agree.
This one? Well, the Rambam did, but you know. We'll but the Rambam can't, you know, can he prove that the Chomazal of all this is wrong? Yeah. I mean, I don't think Rambam would agree with the solution. Okay, but I think it's, it's, again, I think it's a novel approach. Okay, let me give one more example from science, and we'll, we'll try to wrap it up here, but one more, one more approach. The approach is the wave-particle duality, mm-hmm. right? And the uh, Niels Bohr, his famous theory of complementarity, right? So in um, certain examples, in certain cases, you have to treat, let's say, an electron like it's a particle, right? The famous two-slit experiment. I'm not going to go through it here. You could just, you know, look it up at, at home when you see it. <clears throat> yeah, it is amazing. It is amazing. And in certain cases, you have to treat an electron like a wave. In certain cases, which is a wave is something that's distributed over space. And sometimes you have to treat it like a particle, which is just something that's located in a, a yeah, like a little bowl, like in, in one particular place. How can an electron be both a bullet and a, uh, and, a, and a wave, a particle and a wave? How is that possible? So it's not possible. And what do you have to do? You basically is, is it comes out that in, in any experiment, once you set up the experiment, you can see, you can know um, how you're going to have to treat it based upon the experimental design. And, um, and based upon the experiment, it's either going to act like a wave or like a particle. And the full picture, this is the, the theory of complementarity. You're basically, you cannot, we, as far as we're, you know, it's been a hundred years, we are not able to come up with any unified picture of a fundamental part. It's not just electrons, it's every single fundamental particle acts in the exact same crazy way, which is totally crazy to our mind, but it, they all act in the same way. And, um, and you have to, your full picture of reality comes from maintaining both pictures of reality. You have simultaneously, you have to realize there's the wave and there's the particle. There's these two ways of looking at it. Depending upon the situation, you look at it one situation like a wave, one like a particle. I can't possibly be both. Yes, you say there is some underlying deeper nature which somehow unifies both, but as far as our minds are able to tolerate, it's uh, to us a contradiction. And the full picture of reality comes from realizing sometimes you view it as a wave, sometimes as a particle, and it is a paradox. The Schrodinger, it's the Schrodinger's cat. Is, you know, is the, is the, the cat uh, alive or dead? Sometimes you have to be willing to accept some ideas that seem crazy to your mind, because that's the way that the world works. And the, the way the world works is beyond, sometimes is beyond the human abilities, a uh, human mind's ability to, to comprehend things. So there, there's the, these paradoxes that you have to be willing to tolerate and um, realize the full picture of reality comes from maintaining both views, which you know are true. We know it's a wave, we know it's a particle. In certain realms, we'll treat it like a wave. Certain times, we'll treat it like a particle. Same thing over here. You know you have free will. You know that everything comes from God. Everything is perfect determinism. I, it's a contradiction. When you're thinking about God, everything is deterministic. You're thinking about yourself, it's free will. And that's the only thing you can do if you truly have a paradox of this nature, where you know both sides are true. From Sukkim and the Torah, from investigating it philosophically, you realize you're able to prove two things. You have no reason to arbitrarily dismiss one of them. They can't be resolved. You have to be honest insofar as you realize your mind is too feeble to under to, to understand how to unify them. Nevertheless, you have to, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with that knowledge? So you have these two pictures of reality. You have to figure out, try to figure out when do I have to accept one view and the other one I kind of ignore. And when do I accept the other view and the first one I ignore? That's the only way you can resolve this kind of paradox. It doesn't make sense to reject both of them. That doesn't help you. Rejecting one versus the other is arbitrary. You have to accept them both. I is a contradiction. What are you going to do? It's a paradox. And yeah. Do you mean just, uh, as, as in like, wait till you've, uh, 
wait, wait until you found the terrorist system, except the Matthias is still there. What are you asking that? Well, when you say tolerate, do you mean like do you mean say they actually contradict each other, or just like uh say we don't know yet how how to resolve it? Why? Yeah, I mean, to our minds, it's a contradiction. Yeah, to our minds, a contradiction, and we don't see. Yeah, we, we don't see what exactly the solution would be. Does the solution mean one of them is right and the other one has to be modified? Or a solution is that's not even a contradiction to begin with. What you think is contradiction, maybe you see that they're, there's a, who knows? We don't know what the solution is. The same thing, but do uh, some people, you know, that, that's loop quantum theorists, they accept general relativity to try to modify quantum. String theorists accept quantum mechanics, try to modify general relativity. And then they're two arguing, which is the way to go? Which one has to be modified? Or is there some third deeper theory, which, modifies both, incorporates both, who knows? Nobody knows exactly the path to a solution. It's been a long time and no, nobody's really made, um, nobody's really solved, solved that particular problem. Okay, but it's, it's when you have this phenomenon of a, of a contradiction, irresolvable pa paradox to your mind of two sides that are both true, you can't reject, you don't know which side to reject, you don't know which side to modify. You can't modify both, you can't reject both based on what? So this is the only real possible solution is find, or I'm not sure this is the only one, but this is a good reasonable solution is find the sphere of applicability of each side and relegate each side of the, of the paradox to that sphere. And when you're operating in terms of your own decisions, you have free will, you're responsible for everything. When you're out thinking about God and be tough on things like that, everything is predetermined. God's in control of everything, even your own decisions and actions. It's a type of, a, it's a type of resolution of a paradox. It's not truly solving it, but this is the best you can do. Yeah. Doesn't have, those aren't different roles, unlike science. They are. They're different questions. They're different, different shilas that are before no, you. My actions have to also be under God's will. That's the contradiction. No, yeah. I'm saying like you, you can talk about you know um, macro universe stuff and not look at the micro universe stuff. Obviously. <clears throat> <Fine>. <laughs> but this is not a problem that science. Is going to resolve. This is a problem of mine. What do you mean, the the thing? Yeah. Yeah. And, but, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't science no discoveries science. with computers and telescopes Correct. that are bringing this. No, 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 this one. No, the, you need the Rambam to solve. Yeah. You know. So, <laughs> uh, could you just repeat <laughs> the problem? <clears throat> the Rambam says the resolution is simple. The Rambam says it's true. Everything is God's will. That is true. It's absolutely true. But it's God's will that you have two choice. Therefore, when you choose a mitzvah nevera, you're not contradicting his will. His will is that if you want to and you want to do nevera, he wants you to be able to choose to do nevera. So you do nevera is in line with his will. No, you choose it. You choose to do nevera is in line with his will. Action nevera. Right. Right. But you're responsible for your choice. That's the Rambam solution. But he doesn't like that because you know it's still it's there's something awkward about it because yeah, this guy want you to do nevera. And man is the one thing that's different from everything else in the creation. Everything else follows deterministic laws. I mean, again, getting you know, modern day. Yeah, I gave you a choice. That, look, it's Chazal, a theory of Chazal. That's a Ramesh from Rebrakim. It's theory. Everything is Bidei Shemayim. It's deterministic, right? It's God's, uh, God's determining it. Except for Yer which means the realm of a mitzvah nevera, listening to God, the God of rebellion. 
Right, so that's the Raman solution and theory. It's causal solution. Solvable, according to the book. He was before the Rambam. Right, he's different before. He's very different from the Rambam. His whole framework. Of thinking. I, I think this this resolution of the paradox, I think, is fundamental to his whole work mm -hmm. because it ends up being when you think about the Tachlan and things like that. It's important that it basically determinism when he thinks about God, that God's in control of every everything and and even your actions. I think from the framework, I think it becomes a fundamental, um, fundamental um, concept, the resolution for further, you know, further on in the book. And everyone holds his Rabbi Zimmer. Station demands knowledge. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, go ahead, Leslie. Rabbi Zimmer. So, um, when you have a, a particle that operates as one, sometimes as a wave and sometimes as a particle. Right. If you have an electron that operates sometimes as a wave sometimes as a particle that is not determined by what is what forces are acting upon it in other words um, i think it's determined by the nature of the experiment that you run it through the situation how you're you're the nature of your observation if you're able to observe it in like a, in like discrete ways it'll act like a, a particle but if you're not able to observe it at a particular location then it'll act like a wave like depends upon the nature of your experimental apparatus for observing the thing. It'll act like a wave until you try to observe it. Then it'll act like a particle. Which it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't really make that much sense. I mean, there's a way to think about it. I think Feynman's has, has a way of thinking about it a little bit, you know, but yeah, I don't, I don't want to get into it. The simple, the simple shot is it's, it's, it's like, I'm giving you the, the classical. Simple shot is it has two natures. Simple shot is that for us to understand it, we have to use, sometimes we have to use the picture of a wave and sometimes we have to use the picture of a particle and like what it is in reality is beyond their mind to comprehend. The, the only thing we can grasp, like our knowledge of it is broken down into two contradictory pictures. You have to think of it, not what it is, but our, to think in terms of our knowledge of the thing, not in terms of what it is in itself, but in terms of our knowledge. And our knowledge is by nature contradictory. Our knowledge of it is two contradictory pictures, and then in certain situations we use one, and in certain situations we use the other. What the thing is in and of itself, Niels Bohr would say to you, don't ask that question. That's not a question for us. There's, there's no meaning to that question, is what he would argue. Some people might not like that, but he would say there's no meaning. What does it mean? What does it mean? What is the thing in itself separate from your knowledge of it? All you can ask is, what is human knowledge of the thing? And insofar as you're asking human knowledge, then it depends upon your observations, depending upon how you're going to observe it, you'll have to use one picture or the other. Then when you try to combine it together and think about what the thing is in its own right, you end up with a contradiction, stop asking those types of questions. Meaning he won't posit a limitation in human knowledge? We'll say there's no reality besides human knowledge. Right. The reality is the human knowledge. That's all that has any meaning is what our knowledge of it is. And our knowledge demands this complementary picture. doesn't beyond the human cat. He's just saying that's, that there's no sense in you trying to understand what it is separate from your knowledge of it. Your knowledge of it brings an observation, what brings an experiment. What else is there? Right, you're like a boar, that's classic. I mean, you might say the, what else is there is the universe. I mean, but what, what other- what other <laughs> The objective well, universe separate what from other man. Well of knowledge, what other fountain of knowledge is there? I know, but you know, what is the thing in uh, itself? If there were no humans, would there be an electron? What would it be? Well, we're not, well, we're, we're still trying to know it. Without humans, there'd be nothing. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Uh, do we know if it's a uh, S do with human observation or just uh, interacting with anything else? Any observation, it's not human observation. 
No, it's okay. even, you know, even another photon bouncing off will cause that. Yeah. In theory, it could be observed. Okay. Okay, good. And good? Yeah. Okay, very interesting, yeah. fascinating type of um, solution. Yeah, it's only interactive. No, anything, any, anything. Interaction. 